You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Ellen Aguirre. Good morning. I think I'm doing everything right so far. This is Christina, not Alan, as I'm sure you were able to see. Um, He is traveling and unable to do it this morning. I was hoping to be able to also have Lenny on here, but Lenny is still recuperating. So please remember to keep praying for Lenny so that he can come back on and um, run the show. (laughs) But I do have, I'm super excited because I think we're going to bring to you a little bit of a different perspective today. Normally, I know that it has been three gentlemen doing this show for quite a while, actually. And so today with Alan gone and Lenny resting in bed, the women are going to be taking over. And today it's going to be myself and my daughter, Safrain. And we're just going to get on here and chat a little bit and just kind of maybe just give you a different perspective of some of the things that you've been hearing over the last few years, if you've been following Alan for a while. He talks extensively about Joshua 1 and be strong and courageous. And so when he asked me to do the show, since Lenny was unable to, I started really thinking about what it was that I could even talk to you guys about. I'm not a public figure. I'm not one of those people that can just sit up here and talk for an hour. So I decided to talk to you about, and I mentioned to my daughter about talking to you about being strong and courageous from a women's perspective. I know that there's a way for me to look at comments. And so I'm going to go try to figure that out so that you can interject or ask questions as we go. I also know that Alan spends about probably the first few minutes just kind of chit-chatting and saying hello and all of that. And I just kind of jumped right in, but that's kind of our personalities. I'm a little bit more of the intense, let's get right to the meat of it. And Alan's more of the, hey, let's chit-chat and sorry. It's completely different personalities up here. Let me see here. I think I'm, I've gotten over the comments. Oh yeah, there we go. Good morning. Okay. So now that I'm one minute in, (laughs) (laughs) to this hour plus broadcast. Oh my goodness. I am going to bring in my beautiful daughter, Safrain. She's our youngest. I also had contacted our oldest daughter who is in Texas, but unfortunately she had a work commitment, so she couldn't join us. I was really hoping to give you an Aguirre woman morning, but she couldn't make it. So it's going to be myself and Safrain, and trust me, will be more than enough. So... (laughs) Here she is. Let me see if I can figure out how to do this. All right. Hey, let me see if I can hear you. Hello. Ah, I can hear you. Good. I, I might mute in case children wake up. Okay. Or dogs bark. Or, or dogs bark. You know, things like that happen. Hello, everybody. I'm Safrain. I am the youngest of the Aguirre children. Um, she are Shand- or Shandell. Christina, my mother. Already uh, said that she's cried on this show before, and I am a crier. So prepare yourselves, get the tissue if you would like to join us in our crying. If we get there, 
if she comes back. I don't know. Maybe I'll share a little bit about myself. I don't think I've ever met anybody on Chameleon Church. I am a single mother of three. I'm actually in the process of getting married, and we are 11 days away, which is crazy. And it's also a crazy story how we met, but how we got here. And I think this topic today is very suitable for my mom and I. We are very strong and courageous, and we, she's on the phone, (laughs) and we kind of take everything head on and no fear, just kind of dive into whatever the Lord's given us and whatever obstacles come our way. So I think it is a suited topic for us. So I was thinking about it. I have this thing when I'm doing something new the next day, I don't sleep well. And so I was just kind of tossing and turning last night and just like really praying about what we were going to talk about and being strong and courageous. And I thought about all of the women in the Bible that are listed in Jesus's genealogy and how they, every single one of them in different ways and very, some of them in ways that we've frowned upon in in today's society, how they were strong and courageous. And then I was thinking too about the women that are in the Bible that are not in in Jesus's genealogy that were strong and courageous, but all of their ways of doing that were different. And so it was interesting to me because I really think that a lot of times women, and I've heard from girls that say, I don't want to follow Christianity because they cause women to be weak and women have to be controlled by men and under men and all of that stuff. These are strong women or strong girls and they don't see themselves in the Bible. And that's a tragedy to me because I see so many strong women in the Bible and I see that you look through the Old Testament, but even getting into the New Testament, you know, there was those cornerstones of the church were women. And so I think that there's been a little bit of probably puritanical influence onto our American Christianity that has caused women in particular to think that it's not for them. Yeah, I can see even like in my own children, when they hear Bible stories, they say the only women in the Bible are Mary's. And I'm like, well, that's not true. Like, I I start listing all of our favorites, like Yael and Deborah and Rahab. Rahab is my favorite in the lineage of Jesus. And I want to make it a point that they know that they're strong women in the Bible. Like, my daughter is extremely brave and courageous and a complete spitfire. And I want her to know that characteristic is of the Lord. Like, and it's in the Bible and it, she can see herself there and she can see women in her life and women in the Bible and how God's blessed these women to be strong and courageous and has blessed them to be free in that spirit and and to be bold. I think that's a fear of women or of young girls from different backgrounds of churches, but it's also in a lot of churches not spoken about women shouldn't be in leadership or should they, should they not? Like there is a lot of back and forth. And I go to a church now with a woman pastor and our church now is very, what's the word? Very adamant that women belong in leadership and want to encourage women in leadership. I just think in a lot of areas, they don't know how. And living in Utah, it can be, there's a lot of friction because women here are somewhat oppressed and are somewhat kept quiet. And the dominant religion here is very patriarchal. 
And so living here, balancing that with what children see in the Bible or what they're what they talk about. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to raise women up or young girls up to be strong and courageous. Yeah. I think back to some times in, in my life, like when you were little or even when I was growing up and just having to deal with certain circumstances and situations in my life in a way that was strong and courageous and yet still feminine. And that is something that I think is a a balance that hasn't been talked about enough. I think that we haven't taught our daughters enough how to be both strong and bold and courageous for the Lord and yet still be feminine. It's like this weird, it's, it's this weird thing. It's like when you read Joshua one and, and this whole focus that's come on Joshua one and the be strong and courageous and how, how God said that over and over and over. And yes, he was saying it to Joshua, but he was also saying it to the entire nation of Israel. And I think that we need to remember that that included women and that included children. And how do we show our girls and our women how to be strong and courageous without losing their femininity, especially in this day and age when there's there's a huge focus on becoming almost not androgynous, but just be everybody is supposed to be 100% equal, which means I think maybe that the men are supposed to give up some of their masculinity and women are supposed to give up some of their femininity so that we're all the same. I think that's what they're trying to get to. I could be wrong. Yeah. I was just going to say it's like a fluidity. Like they want everybody's gender to be fluid and because there's not, they don't want you to dominate your gender, right? Cause there's, there's a big gender initiative right now to change that. So it's, well, you can't be a strong woman and you can't be an overbearing man. You have to just be somewhere in the middle, be fluid with both genders. Yeah. But I also think that there's kind of a celebration right now of the fierce woman. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being a fierce woman, but I think that you can do it in a way that isn't shrill or um, condescending of men and masculinity or of women and femininity. And so I just think that we need to, as, as people that are set apart and as women that are raising daughters and sons, that we need to teach um, that how to be strong and courageous in the Lord and how to be firmly planted in the Lord without how do I say this without compromising who they are as people, because every person's different. And I remember when Al and I were raising our kids, the number one thing that we tried to do was ask the Lord what their strengths were and raise them according to that. So like, for example, since we're the Aguirre women show this morning, I knew that my oldest daughter, one of her main gifts is compassion and my youngest daughter, Safrain, one of her main gifts is justice. And so even though they both have a lot of the same 
passions and likes and things that they they go after, they go after it very differently. For example, my daughter in Texas, she is part of an organization that goes out and ministers to the women that are being sex trafficked. She does that and that's how her compassion, she started she started homeless ministries when she was 15 and 16 years old. Like she's just has that compassion. Safrain's focus or not focused, but her strength is is seeing the injustice in the world and wanting to write that and bring justice to situations. So it's a very different personality thing, but at the same time, they both are godly women and they're both bringing their, their passions to um, kingdom lifestyle. So that's one small example of what Alan, how Alan and I tried to do this in our very small little family. And then going out from there, when we would meet people, like I said, when I started, I tend to dive straight in. Like, let's, let's skip the small talk. You know, let's have a cup of coffee and let me, let me hear your soul. You know, that's what, that's what I like to do. I don't like the, the small talk. I want to just go straight to the meat of it. And so when we meet people, we tend to get to know them and then we, we, try to connect with them based upon the strengths and the gifts that God has given them, which I would think that everybody would do that, but apparently not. Apparently we're somewhat unique in that trait. I think another way that I felt um, this was fostered in us was giving us a voice. Like I never felt like I couldn't speak up. I never felt like I couldn't talk to my parents about things and and knowing like my voice was important and it mattered was I think in comparison to my other friends, a huge deal. And I think that even in my kids now, like they know they can always come and interrupt me and always come and talk to me. And I see other families that are like the adults are talking, like you can't be involved right now. And I never felt that way growing up. So that's not something I want to do with my kids. I want them to always feel welcomed and a part of the conversation because I think children add to it and I think their ideas and their imagination and their awe and wonder of the Lord is what we need as adults. And so I think giving your kids a voice and letting them know it matters. And even if it's a little off and you're kind of like, oh no, like just that's when you guide them and you teach them and that's how you show them, well, this is really what that scripture means or that's really, that's a good idea, but this is what God says or I think that you can kind of manage that and lead them to understand what's, you know, what's right, but also validating their voice and giving them um, the opportunity to speak up and the tools to speak up. Because I think now that we're adults, we know, especially as women, our voice matters and we've never been shut up. You know, if, if we're passionate about something, we're going to speak up about it. And that's that. Like I, I get in trouble for it today. I got in trouble for it when I was younger. <laughs> got in trouble for it when I got in trouble for it when you were four years old. <laughs> because I, I felt I, my voice was needed to be heard. And I think that's important. And now it, it's a, it's a tool. And it's like, even my pastor recently was like, I know if I say something wrong on the pulpit, Safran's going to be the first one to call me out because one, it's the justice thing, but also I know my voice is important and I know that I deserve to be heard. And I think that's important to instill in your kids. Yeah. I think a lot of that too is we try to show them through scripture 
how to live out their lives. And I think that's another thing. Uh, I've been really astonished the older I get, the amount of friends that I have whose children don't serve the Lord and that they were being brought up with my kids, like at churches that we went to that they were friends at, you know, it was, it, it astonishes me how few of these children are walking with the Lord as adults. And I think of how we always, always, always were the same person. If we were, we were the same person behind closed doors as we were at church, as we were out in public. And I think our kids saw that authenticity and they saw that we were fallible and we made mistakes, but we could always run to the throne room. We could always go to the Lord and he would always forgive us just like they could always come to us and we would forgive them. And, you know, my kids aren't perfect, even though a lot of you guys think so. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully you don't think so. But I remember I was talking to Alan a few months ago and I said, you know, all of the women that judged me so harshly about how I raised my daughters um, and son actually too, um, none of them, not a single one of these women that I could think of and that I was thinking of at that time have any children, not a single child is serving the Lord. And I'm like, I guess they thought that they could come into me and they could, and they could tell me, you should not let your kids watch this and you should not let your kids say this. And the words that they're using are inappropriate. And the, the music that they're listening to, oh my gosh, the music, the music that they're listening to is not glorifying the Lord and the clothes that they're wearing. And I mean, a lot of this was in Texas. And so there was a different perception in, of how you're supposed to look in Texas than in California, which is where we had come from. But it was just, it was overwhelming the absolute judgment that I got from how we let our kids express themselves and how we let them grow up. And, you know, we were always there with guidance, but sometimes they still made choices that we didn't necessarily agree agree with, but they always knew they could come to us, like Seth Rain just said. And I mean, I can't even tell you the hateful, hateful, hateful things that I would get from these other women. And I would just look at them and go, you know, it's working for us and time will tell. And I remember, I don't know, I think Seth Rain was like nine or 10 when I had a woman come to me and just tell me that her daughter couldn't come over to my house anymore because of the movies we watched and the whatever music we listened to. And I was just like, you know, that's your choice. Okay. But we're not going to change just because you think that your way is right. We're doing, we're doing it prayerful. I mean, the way that we're raising our children is prayerful. We're not just throwing whatever we can at the wall and seeing what will stick. We actually spent hours and hours and hours in intercessory prayer over our kids. And so now looking at that, I'm like, man, thank God. <laughs> thank God we we had prayer in our in our parenting because I mean, sometimes I would take a step back and go, what am I doing wrong? Okay, maybe I need to put my kids in floral pink jumpsuits and (laughs) make sure that Severine grows her hair out and looks all cute and that, you know, I mean, 
that they don't get their nose pierced when they're 16 and just all of this stuff. And there was a season there that, you know, we thought, well, we made this huge mistake and um, we should have been stricter or I don't know, whatever. And yet every single one of our children has, even when they went through their difficult times, they've come back to the Lord and they've, they have a heart for the Lord. And so that's all, it's all that, you can hope for as a parent, really. So that was, that was a hard, hard time. And that was actually to go back to our theme of the day. That was a time that I had to be extremely strong and courageous. And, you know, sometimes being strong and courageous, it it just isn't in, it isn't in you. Like you're just sitting there going, I'm just this punk kid sitting here doing the best I can for my kids. My husband's away, he tours three weeks out of the month. I'm just trying to hold it all together here. And you're telling me I'm doing a terrible job. So I could buckle or I could go back to the Lord and I could say, show me if I'm doing something wrong. You're not showing it. You're saying, stay the course. And so I'm going to stand and I'm going to be strong and courageous in this. And I'm going to I'm going to face these very uh, legalistic women and I'm just going to be strong and courageous in showing my kids and other people's kids how to be a Christian. And so that's one example in my life of how I had to be strong and courageous in the face of a lot of judgment. And that was, that was kind of a weird time. But honestly, even if you put us in pink floral jumpsuits and (laughs) change the music we listen to, that wouldn't, I still don't think that would have changed who we were as people, you know, like God, if you're, if you're intercess, if you're in intercessory prayer and constantly, you know, seeking the Lord on behalf of your children, that's out of your hands at that point, you're giving that to the Lord to do whatever he wants to do with us, regardless of what we're wearing or what clothes or what music we're listening to and movies we're watching, because obviously looking totally normal doesn't help either. And what's that famous five swap line? <laughs> Even serial killers wear three piece suits. No, some of the most evil men I know wear three piece suits. There you go. So it doesn't really matter what you're wearing. But I can share a time that I was strong and courageous, but it was a little different. I, well, obviously, but I was, I became a single mom, and Utah is not built for single mothers, is what I've discovered. Daycares and preschools are only from like, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. or 9 a.m. to 12. So you can't really hold down a normal job. And I I don't feel like I got a ton of judgment from people in my life about being a single mom, but just having like facing the day every day of like managing work with, with the kids' school schedule and daycare schedule and then <clears throat> me choosing to go back to school, which kind of came out of left field was me being strong and courageous. I was homeschooled K through 12 and then never went to college. And so 10 years after I should have gone to college, I was like, let's go to college. But I think- And you're rocking it. Yeah, I'm getting by. (laughs) But I think during that time, like having to balance all these different things and whether or not I got like super judgment from people in my life, here where there is a predominant religion if you meet somebody and you're like, oh, I'm a single mom, they kind of like write you off. Like I've been told by somebody they didn't feel comfortable 
having me spend time with her and her husband because I was a single mom or I was a single woman. And I've been told I can't eat lunch with single men because I'm a single woman at work. I sure that I shouldn't eat lunch with single men. And other times when the neighborhood kids weren't allowed to play with my kids anymore because I was a single mom. And during all those times, as difficult as it was, and like you just want to scream at everybody around you because they're in the wrong, I think I, I, I would like to say I held, I held it together pretty well. <laughs> but I was strong and courageous to stand up for what I believed in and to know who I am as a person and to speak up for who I am and say, just because I'm a single woman doesn't mean I'm trying to get your husband. Just because I'm a single woman doesn't mean I can't have lunch with a friend just because I'm a single woman doesn't mean my children can't be your your kids friends and just kind of being that yet again that voice of like justice and wanting what's right and fair for my family even though it looks different than somebody else's family and I think in in our case the Aguirres will always look different and we'll always push the envelope and we'll always maybe not sound so eloquent or look so good or present ourselves the way that the neighborhood wants us to. But ultimately, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we're happier and we're healthier and we're stronger in the Lord than a lot of the people around us. And our faith doesn't waver. And <clears throat> that's to me what's more important. Through our ups and downs as a family, I never thought where's God in this? You know, I never questioned my faith. I never questioned who God was because that was our strong foundation. And I remember growing up, Papa would always kind of say like, my faith isn't on whether or not my wife stays with me, whether or not my kids serve the Lord, whether or not X, Y, Z. My faith is in God alone and that's my foundation. And I felt like when I got divorced, that was really like my foundation. Like, my faith isn't dependent on my ex-husband. If he leaves, God doesn't change. And God's um, faithfulness to me and his blessings in my life and his grace in my life doesn't change just because my circumstance does. And being strong and courageous to hold on to that faith regardless of your life situations and holding on to that salvation regardless of anything that happens in your life is being strong and courageous and being bold and being different and being set apart. And I, I think being set apart is probably one of the biggest things I took away growing up. You don't need to look, <clears throat> sorry, you don't need to look like everybody else to be who you are. You know, I remember when we visited you guys in Cyprus and they had us stand in a circle and look at our shoes and every single one of us had different footwear on. And it was like, there was Converse, there was flip-flops, there was, you know, sandals. And that is very representative of our family also in that <clears throat> we've always embraced anybody really. And I think that that has also caused um, some judgment and stuff in another way that we have to stand and be strong and courageous as into being who it is that God has called us to be. Um, we've always had gay and lesbian friends. Um, we've always had unbelievers as friends, people from other religion. And then we've had the very starched shirt 
Christian, you know, as friends. And so I think that that's another thing about being strong and courageous. And it's this, this, this term is not just, we're going to go take the wall, you know, we're going to go, you know, watch Jericho fall, even though that's a big part of it. But it's also going into the land of Canaan and clearing out the giants. And there's so many giants in our lives that sometimes maybe we don't even realize that, that we have to conquer. And I think some of them are fear of man. I mean, I think that's a huge giant that is so hard to get over. And sometimes, (laughs) sometimes like Seth Rain will, you know, come with stories from work or whatever. And I'm just like, just tell them, you know, (laughs) just tell them, no, you're not gonna, whatever. You know, like her boss is asking her, she used to have a terrible boss. Now she has a great boss, but she used to have a boss that was just so mean and, and just so like, um, controlling. And I'd be like, just tell him no, like you can't, he can't force you. And you know, he was very, very much that, uh, male dominating person. Right. But then I look at my own life and my own boss and I've got a boss that I should just tell him you know, and I can't <laughs> because he's our boss. And so, you know, sometimes I think that we just have to, we have to walk in, um, we have to walk in grace and, you know, be full of grace and all of that. But at the same time, we have to really get over that fear of man. And that giant is such a huge giant and we have to be who we are. And if we have friends and family who are different from what our Christian friends think um, we should have, you know, it is what it is. And they are still, I don't know how to put this. They're still people that God loves and Jesus died for. And I think that's kind of also what it comes down to for me. I was brought up on the mission field. Some of you guys know that. And I lived a lot of times in places where we were the only Christians for hours and hours and hours. And other times we were surrounded by Christians living on a center that it was all missionaries. And so my worldview is very different from a lot of Americans in that I didn't have that American foundation growing up. I didn't have that I don't even know. It's it's a very American culture that I discovered when I moved back here that is just about everybody kind of looks the same. I mean, I, I don't want to offend, but everybody kind of looks the same and you have the cookie cutter houses and you have the, you know, the the weekend out there washing your car and, you know, doing all that stuff. And I didn't have that growing up. I grew up, you know, barefoot in the tropics and, you know, running around with um, kids that were different from me. I was the only white kid for uh, other than my brother and sister. And, you know, so I just have a different worldview. And so for me, it was like, we were there because Jesus died for these people and we were there because God loved them. And so I, it was never a question in my mind whether God loves Muslims because we lived among Muslims and I knew God loved them. And there was never any question in my mind if God, you know, loved the person that was a headhunter or a cannibal or whatever, because that's why we were there because God loved them. So I've never had those hangups as to, allowing people into my life that might look different. And so as an adult moving or as a teenager and moving to the States when I was 17 and 
all of a sudden realizing that even though my passport says American, I'm not an American by any means. And having to figure all that out was quite the slap in the face and having to be strong and courageous in that, which I really wasn't. I kind of, I kind of rolled over and got scared and kind of joined a little movement called punk rock. And that was kind of how I found my identity so that because I didn't have one all of a sudden, you know, cause I was now in the States. So anyway, that's another story, but there's, I think there's different ways that you can be strong and courageous. And since we're coming at it from a woman's point of view, um, I think of, think of Deborah, the judge, you know, she's sitting there, she's fat and sassy. She's underneath a tree. Everybody's coming to her. She doesn't have to do anything except for just listen to the Lord and part and, you know, impart wisdom. And she sits, I mean, imagine like her husband and kids are just, you know, kind of doing their thing and she gets a little break and she goes and sits under a tree I imagine her with a glass of wine. I don't know. She probably doesn't, but you know, she's just sitting there and people are coming to her with their problems and they're, she's a judge of Israel. Like she is bringing the, the word of the Lord to everybody that comes to her. And I'm imagining from Kings to the peasants, they're all coming and she's just imparting wisdom. And then God tells her, Hey, you know, this is going to happen. You got to warn the king. So the king, she, she tells the king, you got to go to war. And here's this man. And he's like, well, no, I'm not going to go to war unless you come. So here's Deborah, fat and sassy underneath a tree, enjoying life. And she's going to have to get up. She's going to have to put on this warrior gear and she's going to have to lead the nation of Israel into war. And I just think of what a strong and courageous woman this she, that she was. Like she was not, even though she told the king to do it, she wasn't trying to usurp his place. She wasn't trying to become a king. He wasn't a king. What was he? He wasn't a king because there was no kings because they were judges. Anyway, whoever this guy was, he was probably a general because he, yeah, he wasn't. Forget I said king. Maybe he was a general. I should have looked up the story this morning. But anyway, whomever he was, he was supposed to be leading the king, the nation of Israel into war, and he didn't. And he said he would not unless this fat and sassy woman went with her, went with him. And so she did. She put on her war gear and she went out and she led the nation of Israel victoriously against their enemies. And then she went back underneath the tree. (laughs) And lived out her days judging Israel. And I just think that that is such a cool story of someone that was willing to, not just a woman, but just someone that was willing to hear the word of the Lord and tell the appropriate person, hey, you need to go handle this. This is the word of the Lord. And that appropriate person saying no. And so she said, okay, and I I will do what I need to do so that my people will survive this and that so that we'll be obedient to the Lord. And then she went back to her life. And I just, I've always loved that story of, of her just, and of course, I think she's fat and sassy. So I like that too. You're still on mute. Sorry. I, I mean, yeah, I love that story mostly because I love Yael as well. And she's strong and courageous. She lures an evil man into her tent and gives him milk instead of water. And she takes care of him and all of these things so that he's kind of tricked by her and trusts her. And then she kills him with a tent peg through the temple. And I think that's really crazy. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like, I mean, you know, you would think, for example, now, I, I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't watch this show and I don't know how crazy you guys get, but let's talk about 2020 and we're in this situation and people are like, we were in, we were in Texas early 2020 and this lady drove by and she started counting how many people were in the front yard because you could only gather like 10 people or something. And we all kind of laugh about it and we're like, oh, that's crazy. But then honestly, if we really want to get crazy, we're going to say, well, she would be the one that would call the police on us if we we're breaking the rules. And you could take that back to, well, she'd be the one saying that we're hiding Jews if we were hiding Jews or, or these type of people would be the one telling on you when you're actually just living your your rights and being free as a, as a human being. And I would like to say if something crazy ever happened and we had to like hide people or lure a bad man in, I would have the guts to kill him with a tent peg through his temple, but I don't know if I would. And the fact that this little lady, Yael, didn't, I mean, she wasn't like, she wasn't a warrior. She wasn't like, she was just some normal lady who was like, I stand for Israel, so I'm going to kill this man. Or I stand with Deborah, so I'm going to kill this man. And I just think that's wild. Can we all say we would be as courageous? Can we all say we would be as bold to stand up for our beliefs and for our rights and for our people to kill the enemy when the time comes? You know, we all would say, oh, yeah, we're going to stand because we're strong and we're courageous and we're faithful. And right. We all would say that. And then when the time comes, are you actually going to live out your word? Are you going to actually, you know, stand up for what you believe? And I think now is a telling time. I don't know if we are all doing what we say we would do. I don't know if we are all standing up for our freedoms and standing up for our rights as humans, our rights as believers. I mean, how many of us didn't go to church during quarantine because it was shut down? The Bible clearly says, don't forsake the gathering. And yet we did. Our church is shut down for almost a year. There's some places still churches aren't gathering because they have how many, you know, capacity. And I think that's crazy. We're not standing up for for our rights. We're not standing up as our rights as believers. We're not standing up for the people of Israel, for God's chosen people. And now is the time, you know. I don't I won't liken COVID to the Holocaust. I will liken people's personalities to people back then. But I will say we're in a trying time where God is going to test you and God is going to push you and he is weeding you and he is separating the wheat from the chaff. And I don't, I don't want to be the chaff in this situation. And I would hope anybody watching this who follows my dad and I assume has similar beliefs, doesn't want to be the chaff and is standing up for our rights as believers and for the people, for God's people and praying for Israel and praying for gatherings and for this nation to come into alignment with the word of God, because that's what we need right now. And I went on a tangent because my mom left me. <laughs> so this is the Safran Aguirre show now. And I, you know, I don't want to say anything I'm not supposed to say. But I don't know what else to do. <laughs> so some comments over here. Oh, man. Um, I mean, I'm just going to keep going then until somebody stops me. No? Okay. There you are. Sorry, Thank I God. froze up again. Apparently, there's <laughs> some kind of weird program on here that freezes. Well, I probably just got in trouble on my tangent. So <laughs> I stopped right. talking. Well, speaking of getting in trouble, 
If you look at some other of the women in the um, line of Jesus, there was the first one that was, well, there's a couple prostitutes on there, which is pretty risky. I mean, it could be risky now, much less risky back then. So that could get you in trouble these days when you say that Jesus came from a line of prostitutes. Uh, Rahab is my favorite character in the Bible. Yeah, is. I think she is amazing. I like the same as Yael, and I, I don't know, Mom, if you were here when I said this, but I think of I think of her as just a citizen, and Rahab was a citizen. And then some, and she still had the gut to, to just go out on a limb and stand for what she knew was right. And I don't, I was saying this, like, I don't know if I would do the same or if we would do the same, like I would hope we would. And I hope that now more than ever we're, I, well, I was saying now more than ever we're being tested. And I think now more than ever, we need to stand for what's right. And we need to take, take on that Yael spirit and that Rahab spirit and that courage and just go for it. And I think Rahab is, I just think she's crazy. I think one thing, the one cool thing about Rahab, well, one interesting thing about Rahab anyway, was that she was very wealthy. She had a corner house on the wall. Um, she had scarlet, um, fabric. fabric. Um, and so she, she was wealthy. She was a very successful prostitute and yet she recognized the, um, she recognized the authority of the one true God when she saw it. And I think that that is what is so interesting about her is that she didn't even, I don't even think she hesitated. As soon as the two spies asked her to hide them, she was like, come on in, you know, and she hid them and risked her life, risked her, the lives of her family, risked her livelihood. Um, and all of that because she recognized the one true God immediately. Like there was it, that to me is just amazing. And she, um, was the only one in the entire city of Jericho that survived. And so I think that is, how does she know? How did she know that one this they were emissaries of the one true God. How did she know that? And two, how did she survive? Her house was on the wall, you know. So how did I don't know? To me, that's just such a fascinating story um, that she and her family survived, and then she not only and then she became um, eventually married um, an Israeli man and was in the lineage of Jesus because of her obedience and because of the fact that without her, I don't know. I mean, this, the story would have been very different without her. And because she was, because she hid the spies, because she let them down, because she, you know, helped them escape. The story of Israel surviving was, and conquering was very, very different. So I don't know. Well, I thought of when you said like, how did she know I thought of like the story of Gideon when he comes across all these dead men in the valley and he's like, who are these men? And the guy's like, well, they look like you. Like it, we're supposed to be so set apart and we're supposed to be so different from the world that we look different. And I remember a long time ago, someone was in our house. Like, I can't tell you who it was. I have no idea. And he told my dad, when I walked by, I didn't even talk to the person. I just walked by and he said, I see a light in your daughter I've never seen before and a countenance of the Lord I've never experienced. And like, 
I wish that happened every day. Like I wish, I wish I was so close to the Lord and so intimate with him that his light was constantly on me and that everybody noticed and everybody, even sinners, even unbelievers, even random guy, girl, whatever would say, there's something different about you. And I think just like the men in the valley, Gideon and the guy said, there's something, you know, these, they look like you and you can tell because they look different. And I think that's how Rahab knew there was something different. It's the spirit of God that's on them for her to say, I, I want to help you. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm your girl, you know, like, and I, I, I think we all should desire that and be pursuing that. I want to look different and set apart. I want to be so strong and courageous and brave and bold and in the presence of God that when I walk into a room, everybody notices. And I pray, Julian, my son, had testing a couple weeks ago at school and I prayed for him and I said, I pray that when you walk into that room, you will change the atmosphere and everybody will notice. And the next day or later that day, he said, when I walked in, everybody noticed me. And he said, everybody was excited to see me. They noticed me. And I was like, yes, like that's what we want. Like I want the same for me. I want the same for all these people. Like that should be, that should be a constant prayer. When I walk into the room, I change the atmosphere by the presence of God that's inside of me. And mom, you're frozen again. <sighs> I have started and restarted this program. Can you at least hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. But you know, Papa just, needs to just dumb it down to a laptop because that's what I got. I know. I know. I did it from my laptop whenever it was last week, I think, and it was fine. So I'm just going to just keep talking. Okay. It's like a podcast, right? Yeah, might as well be. That way, too, you know, I can make funny faces and nobody will know. <laughs> right now, you're just smiling in your frozen picture, so you're great. There you go. I'm fine. See, then you guys can all think I'm just like this wonderful person that just smiles <laughs> all the time. So, you know. Oh, oh you're go. back. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be careful about those faces. What if I was making one, right? When it, I mean, there's so much more we could say about being strong and courageous. I remember a few years ago, so every once in a while, we'll go down to Las Vegas and we'll visit a church in Las Vegas. And we went down there for a conference they were having. And Alan and I <clears throat> went into this went into this room to be prayed for. And the woman that prayed over us, she was like, you know, she goes, I just keep feeling like the Lord wants to encourage you because you have the personalities that when you hear God say to do something, you just do it. You don't question it. You're like, okay, God says this, let's do it. And you, and you, you're like a racehorse at the gate and he says, go and you go. And that was so encouraging for me because so many times we've had to do hard things when God has said to do them. And um, it's it's difficult sometimes to move. It's so hard for me to move because of how I was raised and how we would move all the time. And I would leave my friends behind never to see them again, literally, because they were on the other side of the world. So moving is a huge thing for me. It's so hard for me. And then just other things, other little things like quit your job and go do this. Or when Alan had a company in Dallas, it was such a great company. It was so successful and he had so much fun with it. And 
And God said, quit it and go do this band thing. And the band thing was Ministries Walking, which had some great music. And we toured a lot, but it was really, really hard. And it didn't like, you know, didn't really pay us anything. And then he told me to quit my job and go do that. Or I don't know, there's just a lot of different things that God has told us to do, sometimes very small things, but it's always in those, as soon as he says to do it, we do it. Or we wait. If he says, like when moving to Utah, he didn't actually say move to Utah. He just said, you're going to move to Utah. And this is where you're going to live. And this is going to be your home. But he didn't actually say at that moment, he didn't say go. So we waited until he said go. But then as soon as he said go, I mean, I think we were gone. Let's see, it was December 10th-ish. And we were gone by like February. What? Why are you saying shush? Oh, I thought maybe I was giving away some family secret or something. (laughs) So I do think that that is something that was encouraging for me to know that God sees our obedience and he delights in it. And the hard thing about that is then he gives you more things to be obedient about. It's not like, it's like a mountain and you're at the bottom of the mountain going around and around it. And um, it's, it can be frustrating, but you're still going around and around the mountain. And then all of a sudden you look back and you realize you've been going around it, but you've been going up at the same time. Does that make sense? So you're kind of going around, but you're also going up. And so that is kind of encouraging. Suffering, we've been at this for 40, well, almost an hour. My clicker says 55 minutes, so I think we're almost done. (laughs) We did it. I did want to address a comment that was made. Oh, okay. Um, Jason Walker says, obedience makes us one of his people, not just his lineage. And yes, that is true. And we are all of his children, but that wasn't the point. And the point was that... God uses the lowest of us to further his kingdom. The point is Rahab, who was nobody and who was a prostitute and who lived in Jericho, was used to bring us Messiah. And and yes, I'm not I'm not trying to diminish the fact that we are brothers and sisters and heirs with, with Messiah and we are his people, whether or not you're you're Jewish or grafted in. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. I just wanted to make sure we understood being a part of the lineage of Messiah is like crazy. That is a huge deal. It's not just, and I don't want to say this flippantly, but honestly, anybody could get saved because God can do whatever he wants, but not everybody is going to be used in the lineage of Messiah. Yael isn't in the lineage of Messiah. Deborah isn't in the lineage of Messiah. Rahab is, and that's what's important. She was the lowest of the low. She she had no previous knowledge. From what we know, she wasn't like kind of practicing Torah. She was just straight up pagan, has no idea what's going on when it comes to the Lord and the Torah or, or any of that. And she's like there's something different about you. I'm going to do whatever I can to help you. And God had favor on her for that. And God saved her for that. And forever she is remembered for that by her obedience. So you're not, you're not wrong in what you're saying. I just wanted to make sure that that's what we were talking about. Like 
the lineage of Messiah is, is we will never understand how incredible that is or how honorable that is to be a part of. And that's what I wanted to get at. You're not wrong that yes, our obedience is what makes us a, a part of his people, but the lineage is also very important. My turn. <laughs> Your dogs are going at it right there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else to hit on. I mean, I feel like, yeah, there's more. I mean, like Tamar is one of the first women that is mentioned maybe the first woman that's mentioned in his in Jesus's lineage and her story is not great her story is actually she tricked her her husband or something happened i think her husband died or something and judah was required by torah to marry her so that she would have an heir to t and really basically the reason is, is so that she could have a child to take care of her when she's old and he refused to do that. And so she actually tricked him or she tricked one of his kids. I don't remember. Anyway, she somehow tricked them to sleeping with her. So basically it was another prostitute kind of in a weird way. And yet she was in Jesus' lineage. And the thing that struck me about that is that she was strong and courageous in a very different way. And it was kind of a way that in our society, we would frown upon and think, oh, she's a trickster. She was, she used, she, she used sex to get what she wanted and stuff like that. But what, what we stop or what sometimes we don't look at is how the men that were supposed to be not only her provision, not only to provide for her, but also to protect her did not. And because they did not, she had to do this and, or she took it upon herself to do it. She probably didn't have to God, if she had, if she had brought herself maybe to the priest or unless Judah was too big of a guy that they wouldn't have. I mean, we, <laughs> we sometimes have the, we sometimes, unfortunately will have the good old boys club, you know, where you can't break in no matter what. Good old boys club is alive and well here in Utah. And the good old boys club is alive and well in the church. Unfortunately, sometimes you'll have a woman come to a pastor with a legitimate concern and it's not listened to. So I don't know if that's what was going on in tomorrow's time, but she did have to resort to unfortunately trickery. But through that, she gained a son to take care of her in the old age, in her old age. And through that lineage came Jesus. So I, it's an interesting thing to look at. And it's an interesting thing to think about how she had to make a stand for herself. And maybe it wasn't the best and maybe it wasn't quite as glorious as Rahab and her and Rahab's conversion. It wasn't as glorious as Ruth, you know, Ruth gave up everything to go with Naomi and she was rewarded with Boaz and uh, incredible provision and also in the lineage. So Ruth's story is really exciting and Rahab's story is really exciting. And Tamar's just isn't. Tamar's is not an exciting story. And Tamar's is almost an, an uncomfortable story. And so I think sometimes we need to realize that too, that we need to see in the spirit. We need to walk in the spirit. We need to see in the spirit. We need to be able to discern things that are happening. And that will help us to see 
what God is doing and how he's working in someone else's life. Do you know how easy it is and how easy it would be to today to judge somebody like Tamar and to be like, wow, <laughs> look at what she's doing. Like, whoa, there is no way that any way, shape or form God can use this woman. There's just no way. I mean, she's a trickster. She is using sex to get her way. She's, she's doing all of these things that are horrible. So I just think that we've got to see in the spirit. We need to walk in the spirit and we need to really humble ourselves and never approach somebody with judgment in our flesh. I mean, there's sometimes you're going to, sometimes God calls you to correct people. That's fine. But when it's just in the flesh of like, Oh, look at Tamar over there. She is a wreck. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. And that's also gossip. But anyway, I didn't mean to go to that side of it, but I just have all, I've always wondered about her and I've always wondered about how in the world she's in the lineage and why Matthew put her in the lineage. Cause Matthew didn't have to put her in the lineage. He, he could have started with Ruth or something, but because Ruth has one of those exciting stories that everybody likes to talk about. So out of the, I think there's five out of the five there's, um, Tamar and Ruth. Bathsheba. Oh yeah. Bathsheba. Yeah. She has an, another uncomfortable story yeah. that, it has a lot of times has men judging her for bathing on her rooftop instead of um, instead of judging David for looking and not turning away. Oh my gosh, my eyes or whatever, and then going out of his way. The plans he made, the plans he made to get that woman. Yeah, he really went out of his way. I mean, I obviously see the story and maybe put more blame on David because. You have to also consider how the houses were constructed then. Was was she actually bathing on the roof for attention? Or was he looking down into her house? Because, I mean, how they have it, most likely she had a courtyard where there was a bath or she had a bathroom sort of thing on top that in his, in his kingdom looked down into the valley so you have to kind of, was she in the wrong for bathing or was he in the wrong for one looking and pursuing? I think he went a little more out of his way than she did. She's living in her house. She can do what she wants. You know, he's, I think we're also, I'm not, I mean, I'm fine to sit here and talk, but I also don't know if we should be wrapping it up. Some people have already been like, okay, thanks. Bye. Um, wait, what time is it? It is 8.50. We have 10 minutes. Okay. Um, but that's how I look at the story. And I also feel like that story is representative of God's discipline of, I love you. You're in the wrong. Here's your discipline. Let's move forward. And David is still considered a man after God's own heart. And Bathsheba is still used in the lineage of Christ. Right. As was David. I mean, David was a, and he's the one that committed murder. He committed adultery and murder. So yeah, well, he arranged murder. I wouldn't say he actually committed, but anyway, that can be controversial too. So I just think that it's just interesting. It's interesting to think about the very different and very some shady lives that these women came from. And then you've got Mary, bless her little heart, 
You know, she's 14 years old. <laughs> she's 14 years old, maybe, maybe 14. And she's engaged, which is a very serious marriage contract. And all of a sudden she's got to go tell her betrothed that she's pregnant. I mean, Joseph could have had her stoned, you know, and I'm just like, wow, this poor little girl. And yet she became the mother of Messiah in some religions. She is deified, you know, and it's just incredible that all of these women that we're talking about, and I'm sure tomorrow also, I'm just, I don't, we don't know for sure, but all of these women that we're talking about had this supernatural encounter with God, the God of the universe. And that to me is so, that's what we all need, right? I mean, we all kind of need that to be strong and courageous and we can have that. We just have to seek after it. These women Ruth, she left her home to go with her mother-in-law, and I'm sure it was to help take care of her mother-in-law, knowing that her mother-in-law is going to go back to this land with nobody and nobody to take care of her. So Ruth left her land to go help. She sacrificed her own life, and God blessed her. Um, and she had a supernatural encounter with him because of obedience to wisdom. Naomi gave her wise words. She was obedient. God blessed her. Um, and then Rahab had this supernatural encounter because her house of on the wall is left standing as the whole wall is um, around her crumbles. Imagine that. Like, talk about earthquake. <laughs> You've got the whole wall is falling down. Um then you've got Bathsheba, who was possibly raped. We don't know for sure, you know, and then whose husband was killed and then who ended up marrying the king. And I, I want to believe, I have to believe that she continued serving the Lord. And when her son died, she mourned with, with David and then they shook it off and she had Solomon, right? Yeah, I think she was the mother of Solomon. And then who are we at? Are we at Mary? I think we're at Mary. She actually had an angel appear in her room and um, talk to her. So she had like this, an actual voice angel encounter, which would be pretty incredible too. So I think that we can take these examples of these women that yes, they had they had they they came to a crossroads where God encountered them. So yes, they had something that most of us will never experience. Some of us will, but not all of us. Um, hopefully, we don't encounter a lot of what they did because a lot of these women had rough lives. Yeah. But we all can enter into the throne room, and we all can have a supernatural encounter with God. And we are going to have situations in our lives where we're going to have to draw on that. And we're going to have to, um, just like Ruth, I mean, sorry, not Ruth, just like Esther, we're going to have to approach the throne room and believe that we are accepted because we are, because we have the blood of Jesus. And we're going to be able to walk into the throne room to the king of the universe. And we're going to have to say, I need help. And I need, this is how I need help. And I need to be strong. And so give me your strength. And he will. 
God will, because he's our, he's a loving father, but we have to, we have to just draw on that. We have to walk in that grace and in that strength and in that humility and knowing that we're powerful, powerful bitches. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I apologize. I have to, it. I have to say it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we are, we're what powerful. What kind of show is this? It's, you know, I know that that was probably not what I was supposed no, to say, but I, that was what was I there. And I had I'm sure Papa says worse sometimes, but <laughs> I mean, I agree. I think we have to, I, and I don't want to say because we're women, we have to be the B word, <laughs> but like, because especially like where we live, it's, it's not so kind to women and they don't take so well to you standing up for yourself. And I think we kind of have to be these powerhouses and we have to be willing and able to stand up for what we believe in and pursue the things of God in a, in a violent way and an aggressive way, like Yael and like Deborah being warriors. And, and it's not just up to the men in our lives to be contending for us and to be fighting for us. Like I think of a, a woman we know who. Um, is married to an unbeliever and for, you know, ever now, 30 plus years. And she has every day contended for him and prayed for him and has been so diligent to the Lord and to her marriage that it's honorable. Like you have to be able to go in guns blazing and willing to fight for what you believe in and willing to fight for what you know is right. And don't back down. Like, like my mom was saying earlier, the issue I had with my, with an old boss, it was because I wouldn't just do everything he told me to do. He would tell me to do something outside of my job description. And I'd be like, why? <laughs> and I would ask, and I would say, why do I need to do this? It's, it's out of my job description. And that's what he didn't like is that I had, I keep wanting to say balls, but I was bold <laughs> To stand up for oh, what it's was okay right. That you say it, but I it's mean, not okay if I <laughs> if I use another new word. No, I've caught myself like three times from saying that. But I was bold to say this isn't my job. I'm gonna I will do my job to the best of my ability, but that's not my job. And I maintained that, and I stayed in my lane, and I and I stood up for myself. And men, in some experiences, not all men. Men are great and wonderful. But a lot of times don't like women standing up for themselves and they kind of want women to, or, or I'm sorry, I'm not going to say men want this or think this. I'm going to say a lot of times women feel they have to be submissive and we have to kind of just do what we're told. And that's not a biblical woman. A biblical woman is strong and courageous and hears the voice of the Lord and speaks the word of the Lord and stands up for what they believe in. So we're going to, we're going to wrap this up, but I just want to say one small thing. I hope you guys are getting this. I don't know if you are, but there's a balance of being on your face in intercessory prayer and in praise and worship in complete 100% surrender to the Lord and to his voice and to his calling yes. and to what he would have for you on the one hand. And on the other hand, there's that confidence to be strong and courageous because you have been on your face before the Lord in the throne room in complete surrender to what the Lord would have for you. 
And on that note, I think we're going to say goodbye. But I, I, I pray for you that you will be strong and courageous in all things of the Lord. I pray that you will have greater and greater revelation that the Holy Spirit will invade your dreams, invade your life, invade every aspect of your existence. I pray that you, when you go before him, that he will extend his scepter to you and invite you in. And that as you go to him, you will want to go more and more and more because the time is sweeter and sweeter and sweeter with him. And then when you walk in your daily daily life, that you bring that presence with you, you change the atmosphere everywhere that you go, and that you can be strong and courageous and stand um, before any accuser of the brethren, knowing that God's got your back. So have a good day and have a great week. And thanks for spending this time with us. Sorry if it was a little rocky. Sorry <laughs> if there were some things that um, were said that shouldn't have been said. Um, and I hope you guys have a great week. You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Ellen Aguirre. The views and opinions expressed during our broadcasts are solely those of the broadcast producers, hosts, and or guests, etc., and are not necessarily the views or opinions of the Travelog Network, its sponsors, or affiliates.